Hey guys, Matt from Back Yourself Fitness here and welcome to the first episode of the Back Yourself podcast for 2021. I hope everyone's been doing okay uh, since you last heard from me. Uh, I thought, what's a better time to release a new podcast than in a snap lockdown? Thanks, COVID. So that's exactly what we did. Before I get into that, to today's episode though, just wanted to quickly talk about a new partnership that Back Yourself Fitness has struck up with freeaza.com. Freeaza.com is all about meal planning. Now, not necessarily giving you a restricted meal plan, but giving you the grocery list, the recipes, and the ideas for all your food for the week. So if you're one of those people that struggles with your nutrition because it's too hard and too overwhelming or time-wise, freeaza.com is the place for you. The website is fre-as-a.com. Now, you can go on there and select how much you want them to help. It could just be ideas. It could be recipes. It could be your exact shopping list. This is a time-saving uh, business app idea that will help everyone who's a little bit time poor. I'm going to throw the website in the description for the podcast. But if you are someone who struggles with nutrition, they're giving a seven-day free trial for all the Back Yourself Fitness people and podcast listeners. So do yourself a favor, have a look. Uh, today's episode, introducing a fresh face to the Back Yourself community. Uh, Andrew Kennedy is the head trainer, owner of AJK Fitness, and he is operating out of Back Yourself Fitness. So this is, you get to hear a little bit about his high performance athletic past, just talking or just missing out on the world champs for swimming a couple of years ago. We talk about what led him to here, uni, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but for more about AJK Fitness, here is Andrew Kennedy. All right, another podcast. Here we go, 2021. It's been a minute. Dusted the mics off. Glenn 20 them. You know how it is. Um, Andy, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thanks for having me, Matt. Mate, not a problem. Now, this is going to be a get-to-know-you kind of session. As I said in the intro, um, brand new into the Back Yourself Fitness environment and yeah. outside of the guys in our studio and um, your audience, there's not many people that know about you. So we're going to use this time to have a bit of an introduction. We're going to walk down memory lane. How did we get to here? What were we doing? What was life like before PT? All that kind of stuff. But before we get to any of that, much like every podcast, we start with 10 quick questions. Now, these can be one-word answers. These can be stop down and talk for a minute. You could take 30 seconds, 10 minutes, whatever. All Ready? Right. Yeah, hit me. Sick. All right, question number one. Is there a specific breakdown to your own personal training? Yes, there is. I usually like to start with a bit of bit of stretching and then going into the more compound sort of movement. Mm -hmm. So, for example, like back squat or something and try and get the heavier sort of motion mm -hmm. and then go into the more isolated sort of stuff. So, now, is more this, targeted. Is this for you specifically or like for you personally training? For me personally training, yes. Yep. But then I also use similar sort of breakdown for my personal trainings as well. Ah, uh, gotcha. But when it comes to more client sort of base, it is more of the hit. Workout as a majority of clients prefer the more weight loss than the strength. Of course. When I'm doing more strength myself, so I'll specifically stick to all the compound sort of movement. Mm -hmm. um, do you, how many times a week do you train, all that kind of stuff? 
I train five, six times a week. Yeah, sweet. Um, all mornings, Arvo's, what's your... What's Prefer morning. Prefer yeah. morning, but I do do afternoons as well if I can't get it. I find Arvo ones, it's like, it's hard to kick it into gear. Oh, yeah, definitely. But some of the best sessions can be those ones where you're like, oh, today's going to be shit. But you just still manage to like drag through it. Like the Arvo sessions before afternoon sessions begin. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, fuck, okay. And then you do a workout, you're like, oh, that felt pretty good. Yeah, it makes you feel better about it. And yeah, exactly. Gets you ready. That's why, I like prefer, that's why I prefer mornings. Now, this second question kind of rolls into that, or rolls from that first question. What's an exercise you are bad at? Exercise I'm bad at. When Joe's smiling in the background there too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see. Which one do I pick? Yeah, yeah. Just give me one or all of them. No. All right. Uh, I'm going to say reverse Nordics. Ooh, cool. Why? Because I, well, uh, last year I tore my quad. Yeah. I can't get quite the range of motion to get far enough back when leaning back through the motion. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's stay on that for a sec. How did you, I was going to say, why did you tear your quad? <laughs> That's not a question. Uh, how did you tear your quad? So I started training for Ninja Warrior. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember a year, you saying. Oh, a little more than a year ago now. And then doing one of the exercises, I came off the obstacle awkwardly and my leg buckled. Yeah, Felt right. a sharp pain go from my kneecap all the way up to oh, my all, all the way up to my hip. Yeah, right. And I couldn't walk properly. I couldn't straighten, couldn't bend my leg. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, when I, went to, when I went to finally get it checked a few weeks later, they said, yeah, there's potentially a quad there. Well, quad tear there. Mm-hmm. I'd like to check it out further. So. Did you um, find out what grade it was or did you just kind of roll with it? Well, I went to go get it checked, but the day I was meant to get it checked, I ended up dislocating my kneecap. Oh, bro. Well, how, like what? So, How'd you do that? So I was doing leg extensions in the gym. Didn't quite put the weight down properly. Came off the machine awkwardly and my kneecap just came out of place. Wow. Now, okay, because we're both medical people, of course. Uh, <laughs> was that because of the damage done to your quad? Or was that just shitty getting up and down from a machine? It's more just shitty knees, to be honest. Okay. Because it's a genetic thing that I've had checked. I've had, oh, pretty much had since I was about 11 years old. Yep. Where my knee, my kneecap just keeps on sliding out of place. Yeah, okay. So it just, ha- just happened. It was quite a bad one. It's still recovering from it. That was back in what, November, December now. Yep. So. Wow, man. Yeah. That's wild. Okay, so did they ever measure well obviously you didn't have a grade but did they ever measure anything like distance range all that kind of stuff like how far the tear was or well they couldn't they couldn't really get me into the mri to check any if there was any ligament damage because there was a lot of swelling after i did after i did dislocate mm-hmm. my kneecap and then they just pretty much referred me to to a physio from there yep which look kind of annoyed about but yeah nothing that can really really be done right yeah well i remember this is a while ago now but actually before we opened the bracken ridge studio so i was training with sam at good life we were just doing a session together we did a 15 minute warm-up fucking sick and we did sprints first sprint took off bang felt the burn similar thing up my leg up my quad and i tore my rec fem oof yeah which yeah Yeah. it went across the quad it didn't go straight up and down went across across. so like called a physio i was like okay, I've just torn something. I need to come in right now. And I, I went in and he's like, oh yeah, probably maybe you rec fem, but you'll need to get scans and all that kind of stuff. So scan and the, I remember forget the ultrasound or whatever. Yeah, the ultrasound lady was like, I'm just going to get a ruler and just measure this out. 
I was like, okay. So she got a pen and marked it because it was like an awkward, like across the leg. She's like, yeah, that's about an 18 centimeter. Grade tear two. uh, Grade two tear. I was like, fuck. Then went to the physio (laughs) and he's like, yeah, we'll start with like keeping it nice and loose and then we'll look at some squats and lunges. I was like, cool. Thanks for the, thanks. Nice rehab program, mate. And so I went and did my own thing. But even like now, I still struggle with. Yeah. You know, if I've got calf or heel problems, it comes from all the tightness and shitness. Up in the quad, yeah. Yeah, up in the quad. So Yeah, I, I still can't. There's some days where I still can't even walk properly. Yeah. Like I go up and down stairs, but then there's some days I can't do lunges and I can't demonstrate mm. stuff when with clients or with the group. Does um weather affect that at all or is it just luck of the draw? I want to say luck of the draw, but sometimes on a colder day, my knees do Yeah, gotcha. feel a bit stiffer. Yeah, of course. Um, if we circle back to reverse Nordics, would it be something that you would use as a tool to improve range or is it just like that compounded with your knees is like, it's not good. Yeah. It's just compounded with the knees is not good. Yeah. Yeah. Like I used, I used to be able to be quite good at them because you got quite a bit of range of motion in it, but Mm. now I'm lucky to even, even get a little bit of range of motion to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Um, Without oh. feeling a pull up the leg anyway. Oh, yuck, yuck. Uh, I actually want to circle back to that because when we look at like training for certain things and bits and pieces, like when we talk about swimming and all that kind of stuff, it'd be interesting to see any effects that it's had on training. If, yeah. it's, if the genetic knee issue has been around since you were 11. Yeah. Um, anyway, we'll get to that. Um, right. What's an exercise you believe has minimal benefit? Wow, that's yeah, a hard one. That's yeah, a know, very right? hard one. <laughs> I know. Now, this could be anything from a, a compound move to an isolation move to a functional move. Like, it doesn't have, I'm, I'm not saying you think it's bad, but what's a move that you think has minimal benefit? Oh, well, when, when, coming to, when coming to it, it's probably for me, car phrases. Yeah, okay. Because you're always moving your calves anyway when you're walking. They're always being flexed. They're always being extended mm. and all that. So when it comes to just well, general sort of thing, calf raises, I rarely, rarely put them in programs for myself, rarely put them in programs for clients. Yep. Just because of that, they're just calves are being used so much anyway that yeah, yep. there's, there's, there's no real benefit to isolating them themselves. Yeah, unless there's like some specific weird wonderful yeah. thing like if you're if you're exercising great more power to you but if we're talking about minimal benefit ones like if you're not rehabbing an injury or if you're not doing it for a certain reason and you're just going to add calf raises into your leg day and you throw 40 kilos on and you weigh 90 kilos it's like well yeah what's, you, you walk around you walk upstairs and you weigh 90 kilos but you're doing 40 kilo seated calf raises it doesn't make doesn't make much sense much sense yeah, yes no. it's it's funny that question i throw out to people it's the the isolation exercise like bicep curls i get a lot of or yeah shrugs oh it? shrugs yeah definitely or, you, don't, you don't really want the massive traps yeah oh i'm gonna work my dominant muscles the ones that give me shit posture they're the ones i'm gonna yeah. work on ridiculous uh all right next question and this is a a bit of a broader style question now i'm gonna ask this for two, from two different perspectives. Personally, 
Is social media a positive or a negative? Personally, probably a negative. Okay, why is that? Bit of a bit of a distraction to what you need to get done in the day, mm-hmm. and it just keeps you like it. It's said, it's, said, it's said social media, but it kind of keeps you away from everyone else that you're with. Mm. I I've, I find it a lot, even at, even at home. Like Joanna, my partner, and I will be sitting watching TV, but we'll also be both be on our phones looking through Facebook or something. Yeah. So in personal, personally, like that, yeah, it's definitely a negative. And I know, like with the current climate that we're dealing with of COVID shit, over the past two days, I've checked my phone so many times for negative news. You're yeah. like, is there okay? What's the update? Well, you know, and you're you're almost prepping yourself for a negative, yeah, neg- negative sort of impact from yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, two minutes. I'll just give it a refresh and see. Yeah, it's a very, it's it's easy to get stuck in a rabbit hole. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Now, professionally, is social media positive or negative? Positive. It's a good way to reach out to people because a lot of people are on social media. Mm. So if if we can get ads for personal training business out there then lots of people are going to see it because let's face it who isn't on social media yeah exactly it's it's funny i was like i went from peak myspace to like facebook becoming a thing yeah so can you imagine trying to promote your business on myspace you know what i mean like on the- yeah because myspace is more just your friends that yeah, saw yeah, yeah. It. yeah such a prim in hindsight such a primitive like platform and now it's like of course I would say Instagram is probably the biggest platform. and then it's probably the leader at the moment. Yeah, yeah, Facebook and Twitter and you got your professional platforms like LinkedIn and stuff. It's like, it's all the same shit, just in different, different ways. Different format, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't know where I stand on social media. It's, it's the necessary evil. If you don't have a Facebook page or an Instagram page, how's your business meant to be successful? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. It's... I'm on, I get a little bit old man about it sometimes. But at the same time, I'll sit there with my phone in my hand. So, fuck. It, it depends on the day for me. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite exercise and why? So I love doing chin-ups. Okay. Is that just because you're a jet at chin-ups? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, say, we'll say that. <laughs> no, um, I, I like doing chin-ups because it is a very good body weight yep. strength testing exercise. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you can throw a weight belt on or something or... Mm or a weight vest on, but to just to test your relative strength, if you can pull yourself up onto a bar, you're doing really well. For sure. So that, that's that's why I love doing chin-ups myself. And I love trying to get my clients to chin-ups. It's so. funny, I, I found across the journey, and you may have may have found the same, I find a lot of females set their performance goals around chin-ups. Yeah. yeah I'd love to do five chin-ups. Or 10 chin-ups or whatever it is. And it's like, out of all these fangdangle exercises and, you know, you've worked in a commercial gym where it's like, out of all these machines. Yeah, they want to be able to do that yeah. chin-up. want to be able to pull themselves up that bar. That's, we're going to pick a bodyweight exercise. And yeah. it's funny, if you, for your groups or my groups, the hardest sessions are right. Everything's going to be bodyweight today, guys. Yeah, without and a doubt. Keeping people like engaged to do a bodyweight exercise, like oh, bodyweight squats or lunges or whatever. It's like, you're meant to, these are meant to be hard. You're just making it slack and easy. Yeah. And if we look at gymnastics, that's all freaking bodyweight. And there is no way that I couldn't do any of the gymnastics moves. Oh, I couldn't do it. Like, My sister did it growing up, but I could never do it. They're freaks. Like the athleticism and strength they have, and it's all bodyweight. 
or yeah. calisthenics. It's yeah, ridiculous. Um, now, does the pull-up thing stem from swimming? As yes, well? yeah. 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah, just got great shoulders and back. And so, yeah, pull-ups it is. <laughs> um, now, okay, question, just out of my curiosity, because you're a taller dude, do you have to find a bar that you have to jump to to do chin-ups rather than like a dead hang chin-up? Yeah, I, I do have to find a... I always go for the highest bar mm-hmm. that I can. If I can't, I try and do it with my knee, with, with bent legs. Yep. And from from a dead hang. Yep. But it's very hard because sometimes even even that there is probably a bit too low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the ones at the... Okay, at our studio, you know, the ones against the wall. Yeah. Jump up and grab the middle one, like the super high one. Yeah. Because then like... Then it's like I'm really pulling myself up, kind of thing from a from a proper dead hang. Yeah. But because you're taller, it'll be like right in the zone for you. Yeah, well, it's it's the perf- perfect one, pretty much. Yeah. One of, one of my posts is actually of, of pull ups, and we did it on that bar there, and you can actually see that my feet actually don't touch the ground for once. Yes. But I'm fully straight. <laughs> and like I, because when those that equipment got delivered it was just all bars like there was no instructions so you got to pick and choose what height you put everything yeah so i purposely put the bars like for higher people yeah, yeah. so you could jump to grab them um just a little back end for any of the back yourself fitness clients why things are so high in the gym so myself andy and sam can use the equipment yeah because we're all tall <laughs> well it's all along uh all right easy question how many coffees a day do you have three uh, okay are you one of those like one of those people that can have one at eight o'clock at night and go to sleep. Oh no, I can't. I can't have one after about two, three o'clock in the afternoon, or I'm awake till midnight. Yeah, cool, cool. And being early starters, is a coffee one of the first things that happens in the morning? Yes. Yeah, cool. How do you have it? Uh, I like to have mine as a latte. <laughs> I'm, I'm, going, I'm going fancy. Yeah. How does that milk go before you go to bloody training? <laughs> well, I, have, I usually have it after after training. I go pre workout if I'm training early morning. Yeah. Okay. And then say so probably what. Not just after, but a little bit after training. Mm. Once I start coming down off it, I'm like, yeah, let's go for a coffee. <laughs> yeah. I'm one of those freaks that can have a coffee and exercise like as my last mouthful finishes. Yeah. Like no problems. But if I have a coffee at 12.01 PM, I will be awake until <laughs> past when I should be awake. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, all right. What's an exercise you'll give to a majority of your clients and why? Well, majority of my clients can do it. Uh, burpees. Okay. Is there so, any, any specifics? It's good full body. Okay. Full body explosive sort of movement. Very mm-hmm. good power sort of movement. Yep. And it incorporates, well, as I said, full body incorporates arms through push up, legs through squat jumps, mm-hmm. and good range of motion. Make sure they just have good range of motion in, in through the whole whole movement. Mm. Is it like, you you may have heard me say. When I'm training people, it's like, I don't care how graceful it looks. Like if, if we're doing burpees, just get down, get back up. You can yeah. step it out. Yeah. If, if they can't quite do it properly, I'm like, yeah, by all means, slow it down. Slowly put your hands on the ground, step your feet out, step your feet back in, mm. stand back up. If you can get that squat jump going, then great. If not, then that's fine. Just standing up. And it's, it's just the getting down and getting up is half the battle. Yeah. Well, like obviously I know that's most of the exercise, but. If, if we plan sessions for people where it's like, okay, seated this into standing shoulder press, into plank, into this, like there's a reason we're doing that because you're getting up and down off the ground yeah. every time. So it's not just us being assholes. We're, <laughs> we're actually using that break as almost an exercise for the people. Yeah. 
and yeah, burpees. I don't, I don't care about burpees. Like as in like if someone said do a hundred burpees, I'm like okay. Like burpees yeah. don't phase me at all. But you give burpees to some people, they're like, oh, oh why no. are we doing this? It's the worst <laughs> exercise in the world. Shut up. No, it's not. No offense. If you if they, if they like burpees. Um, nutrition wise, obviously, you've, I'm assuming you've come from a point in your life where you had to be pretty strict. Yes. Nowadays, do you food prep or cook on the go? Cook on the go. Yep. Well, depend depending on what we what we're doing. Majority of the time, cook on the go. Yeah. Like, we like to sort out what we have on a, like what we're having during the week on a weekend. Yeah. But when it comes to meal prep sort of stuff, we won't we won't do it until the day of. And that's all you need to do. That's what so. it's. People get undone with this. Oh, I don't want a food prep or meal prep. So just write down at the start write down of the what week. You want. Yeah. Like, what are you having for dinner? Seven nights, six nights, five nights in a row. Like, just write it down so you don't go. Oh shit! What are we having? And yeah. Like that's the. No, excuse me. That's where people get undone. The no planning. You don't have to cook all your food at the start of the week. Just plan it. It's not that no. hard. No, it's not. Not not too hard. Like we know exactly what we're having for the rest of the week. Don't mm. know what order we're having it. Hey, but, but we've we've got it we've got all there we've got all the all the ingredients and stuff we need for it mm-hmm. but we'll cook it on the day well, once we decide which one we're gonna have we're like yep all right we'll have this one today we'll that's it you, if you've got the stuff in the fridge or freezer whatever and you know like okay we're doing this with this boom problem solved easy done no confusion yeah um on that same line of thinking do you count calories or macros no um is that because you've come from a place where you've had to or you just for you, it's not For, beneficial. Not not beneficial. It's yep. not beneficial unless you're really wanting to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, by all means, track your calories so you know that you're maintaining that calorie deficit. Yep. But if you just maintain, if you just want to maintain or anything, there's no no need to track. You know what you when you know what your body needs. It that and like it helps. It it helps to maybe go to a dietitian or a nutritionist or something to get a relative idea of what how much of things you need to eat. But you don't need it be strict on tr- on tracking it at all it's un- well, i don't say unattainable because that sounds bad it's unrealistic to think that you can live your life calorie perfect it's unrealistic to think you can live your life macro perfect yeah exactly like if you talk to people who need to do that stuff i.e uh say a bodybuilder or, or a strength competitor or like yeah strong man competitor or something then yeah definitely can't count the macros to know you're getting right or if you're on the other end of the spectrum, losing weight, count. Mm. But if you're just general public, yeah, there's no there's no right or wrong answer to it. You don't need to count it, as it, such. It's very interesting. I put that Instagram poll up not too long ago where I asked just random questions about nutrition and everyone who answered said they think the fitness industry overcomplicates nutrition. It's not the fitness industry that's doing that. Yeah, well... The uh, like PT side of things, like okay, you need to eat this and you need to eat this, but out of those people who answer, answered, only like half, less than half, said they eat around how they feel, like energy okay. wise. Yeah, and it's like, well, that's you, if your body's telling you you're hungry. You're hungry. Yeah, hey, hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably hungry an hour ago or so. <laughs> exactly, and it, like it was just interesting to go. Oh, okay, that's a an interesting thing when if you think about how many PT and gym pages you've seen push macros or push calories yeah. and things like that it's like fuck okay that's good it's good knowledge but 
how much knowledge is too much? Like, are you putting too many numbers on people's plates, full pun intended, to like overcomplicate the situation? You know what I mean? Like, it, it yeah. is hard. And I understand people going into the shops and go, I don't know what I'm going to buy. Like, I need to eat 1,300 calories. What? Why? Whole another chat. Nutrition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, rounding it out. What is a food you hate? See, I, I don't actually hate any sort of food. I'm a eat whatever's there kind of person. Okay, cool. So, like, I, like there's a couple of foods that I won't eat by themselves, like mushrooms or something, but... Yeah. If it, if it's in a pasta or on a pizza or something, by all means, mm-hmm. it does not bother me if it's got something like that I don't necessarily eat myself. So I'm literally eat anything and everything. You're a freak. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool, man. That's the end of the first ten questions. Easy, laughing. Now we're going to move into certain areas. Obviously, if, where we're going to start is the start, and then we're going to look at work, athletic stuff, and then the pt side of things like yeah what's going on what the plan is all that kind of jazz so we'll touch on ajk fitness but andrew kennedy look where are you from originally so i'm originally from cronulla in new south wales Mm -hmm. on the beach there and yeah i grew up pretty much life in sport Yep. I was doing, I had a hand in all sports. Me and my mates used to go out surfing after school or something. Mm-hmm. And actually, when I first finished school, I had no intention of going into the, the health industry. Yep. Like I was, I was involved in sport. I was, I was very athletic, but I never had that sport is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I was actually, I actually started going off to uni at University of New South Wales doing Bachelor of Science majoring in physics. Yeah, okay. Because I just loved, I loved science. Mm. And I really enjoyed physics when growing up through school. I was like, you know what? I'll try to give that a shot. Went to first year of uni and it wasn't quite what I expected. Mm, right. As, as it is. Yeah. So from, from there, I decided to have a year off. Year mm. off uni, year off study, concentrate on swimming. And that's when I actually thought about it I was like hey I really like sport really like health really like fitness so then yeah decided to go to uni for that specific degree yep and then once I finished swimming it was yep let's put all this time and eff- all this extra time and effort into into doing what I found that I actually do love doing that, that's the thing like I felt like uh, what year did you graduate uh, 2010. So I, I know when I graduated in 05, there was a lot of pressure around, cool, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Oh, there's still a lot of that. <laughs> I was like, what? I don't know. I'm 16, 17. I have no idea. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do until I was mid-20s. But once I hit that point, I was like, cool, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. But fuck, those five five years out of school, four years out of school. Yeah, still trying to find what you want to do. It's like, I have no idea what I want to do. And I'm like, you work in hospitality and you do this. And it's like, this is just shit. But I remember when I found, someone said, why don't you be a PT? And I was just like, oh man, that makes so much sense. Like going from playing sport all the time into helping people in playing people, sport. Yeah. You know? Um, so what, sorry, what did you lateral, so you basically laterally stepped into were you still at uni 
Uh, so you're doing physics and then... Uh, no, I had a year off. Yep, and then... And then went to a different university for... Exercise and sports science. Right. Now, did the... the I want to say the limited, but the little taste of physics and all that kind of stuff that you had, was that in any way, shape or form beneficial to... Yes. Yeah, yeah? Yeah, it was, especially with the physics, doing, doing the biomechanical mm. side of movement. Mm-hmm. So actually doing doing biomechanics now and it's very much it's very similar to, to physics in a sense that got to like measure the trajectory trajectory nice. can't 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 speak at the moment but nice. uh of a of a ball or someone after it being kicked to see the power coming from the, the hips or the mm. leg or whatever joint that we're looking at mm. So when it comes to all that, it's very similar when it come when it comes to physics and biomechanics. Yep. And then different sort of science going into the more the nutrition side of things is a lot like chemistry. Mm. But in, in saying that, it's also the same with physiology because it's describing how ca- the body uses calcium to flex a muscle or yeah, just yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Um, do you use elements of that in your PTs and stuff at the moment, like load and levers and all that kind of stuff? Or not at the moment. I keep it very basic. Yep. But as I as I grow as as a personal trainer, mm. or as I venture out into other areas, then yes, I will probably start using that sort of stuff mm. in my programs. Yeah. Cool. Um, obviously, you wouldn't be studying it if that's not the way you want to go. What do you want to do? Using it like exercise, fizz is that is that where you want to go or yeah, exercise and sports science going more toward the sports science side of things. Yeah, of course. So, long run, I would love to work with sporting body, mm-hmm. being a trainer for being a strength and conditioning trainer or a sports scientist for a sporting mm-hmm. company. So, for example, I wouldn't go to them, but for example, Brisbane Broncos. <laughs> And why wouldn't you go to them? I'm a, I'm a Sharks boy through and through. <laughs> right. Okay. <So. laughs> All right. Interview yeah. over. Bye. Yeah. It's been fun. No. No. So, sporting body like that with doing doing PTs in the morning and in the evening, obviously, but then looking at the sports side of things during the day mm. would be an ideal situation for me. Well, what you've just described there is not two different things it's your brand yeah if your brand offers sports science and your brand offers pt and your brand offers group and your brand offers nutrition stuff like you're just pumping up your brand like they're not two separate entities at all you know like it could it could be ajk fitness or ajk sports sports science you know what i mean yeah so oh man my business brain goes oh there's so many different avenues that like so many different feathers you can put in your cap you know what i mean yeah um I'm excited or for you in a sense that you're currently still learning. Yes. So there are things that you can like every day you do some uni stuff, you could almost put into practice that day in your session. Yeah. What yeah you were I, looking I do. At. I do always try to. Yeah. So if, if I learn something new, if I learn something new at uni or mm. wherever, then yeah, always try and put it in into a session somewhere. First of all, I try it out myself mm. so I can try and get the nuts and bolts down pat mm. and then I'll put it into a few of my more advanced clients' sessions. 
you know it's funny and i'm just gonna write this down i've just had a business idea for you oh. and we'll talk after we finished recording <laughs> brain it's always working um how many years in are you at the moment so i was doing part-time so i'm now seventh year in holy shit how many like how like how much further is there to go hopefully yeah. this year is the last year yeah okay. fingers crossed fuck seven years yeah, that's because I, I was heavily involved in swimming when I first moved up to Brisbane. Of course, yeah. Uh, so I was only doing part-time uni. Sometimes I'll literally only do one subject a semester. Yeah, okay. So, um, Before we get to swimming, you said you were sporty. I'm, gonna, like, I'm just going to take a guess off your frame and you're going to tell me if you played it or not. Okay. Volleyball? Yes. Um, basketball? Yes. Um, obviously, swimming is in there. Um, I, would you have played footy? Yes. Yeah, okay. I did, I did attempt footy. Yeah, yeah. Like league footy or AFL? Both. Yeah, okay. I've, try, I've tried footy as in AFL. I've tried rugby league and I've tried union as well. Yeah, right. Um, okay, that's all I had. What other sports did you play? So I did a bit of mountain biking. I've played tennis. I've surfed. I've done... Surf life saving, so like nippers and all that. I grew up doing yeah. all paddleboard racing and running along the beach and all that. Yep. I've had my hand in athletics. Um, what else? Yeah, right. okay. Well, let, volleyball, tennis, yeah. Let's just take that. Outside of the swimming, was there any stuff that you were like, oh, I could probably have a crack at this? You know what I mean? Or were you just kind of dipping your toes in the water? Dipping my toes in the water. Um, did you get, not pressured, but did someone go, hey, do you want to actually have a proper go at this sport? You know what I mean? Considering your frame? Funnily enough, boxing. Okay. Why? I don't, I honestly don't know because I was doing a boxing session through through my swimming. Mm. Like, it was just something different to try and get some sort of other cardio, cardio sort of thing in. And the trainer comes to me and goes, hey, I reckon I could get you a professional fight. If you if you really want to do it, because you got a strong you got a strong punch, you got a long reach. Yeah, I reckon you'd go all right. I was like, uh, let me let me think about it. Yeah, because I was heavy. I was that was at my peak of swimming. Yeah, so like I don't really want to injure myself. Get punched in, in the that, head. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever do like sparring and stuff? Uh, yes, that's what the tra- that's the, that's when the trainer said, hey, you should Man, try this. You can hit pads till you're blue in the face until you spar. Oh, it's a totally different ball game. And it's like, oh, I'm not breathing. And I'll, why, yeah. why can't I hold my hands up anymore? Like when you're trying to punch at 100% and trying not to be hit at 100%, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like there was that, I've done a little bit of boxing training and there's been that thought of, I'd love to give it a crack. And then people I spoke to have been like, you need to train like crazy five times a week for boxing specific and then fitness specific. On top of that, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, okay, I don't have the, the money to invest in me just wanting to have a crack at something. You know what I mean? Um, there's a couple more things I want to touch on before we get to swimming. Um, what were you doing before personal training? Was it just study and swimming? Did you like, were, was, were you working? Or? Yeah, I was working. I was working at the Brisbane Entertainment Center majority of the time at the, at the sports center that's connected to it. Yep. Uh, down in Cronulla, what were you doing? Down in Cronulla, I was pretty much just swimming and schooling. Yep. So I did. I did do learn to swim as a job. Mm-hmm. So teaching all the little kids. Yep. How to swim. Yep. But other than that, it was literally just school and swimming. Yep. 
Um, I'm assuming swimming would have been a full-time job in itself. Yeah, yeah. training, morning, afternoon, racing on the weekends. Yeah, well, um, it's funny. I don't know if you know Rod, one of our clients. No. Down the gym. So one of our greatest success stories was uh, his son, Lockie. So he walked into my studio when I first started at 17 or 16. I think it was 16. And he, he's a swimmer. And all the other guys hit their growth spurt before him. Yeah. So like they went, hey, the gym's just around the corner. Let's let's jump into some weights. So he came to see me and I'll never forget he weighed like 60.1 kilos. And that's not very big. No, it's not. But swimming kind of fell by the wayside, but he just fell in love with the gym. And like he's easily our biggest one of our biggest success stories like he weighs like 85 to 90 kilos of pure muscle like he just one of the strong if you tell him to jump he'll go okay you tell him to go lift that 200 kilo bar all right like he's one of those people one of those that is like yeah all right let's do it yeah free like he's one of those guys you can kind of test workouts on to see how it's going to go for other people yeah um but yeah it just made me made me think of that then um when you first started as a pt how long ago was that Two and a half, three years ago. Now, was that to, I don't want to say supplement, but was that like entry level for your exercise, phys, sports science side of things? Or was that something that you wanted to do? It was something, it was something I wanted to do. Yeah. Like the uni, the uni just was, a, was like a catalyst for it really. Mm-hmm. Like my, my degree got me a majority, majority of my qualification. Mm-hmm. And then... I just contacted the uni going, hey, I want to do personal training. How do I get this uh, for? Because through uni, I got the Cert 3. Mm-hmm. Cert 4, I had to do the business side of things. Yep. So that's when they sent me off to to do an online online course. It took me about six months. Mm-hmm. And do all those fun, do fun bits of assessment. Yes, the yep. fun business assessment bits. Yeah. I remember doing it in like the first four or five of just like workplace health and safety. Yes. Oh, man. How do you set up a safe gym? <laughs> Pretty much. And yeah. you're just like, oh my God, it's just the same thing over and over and over. Man, I, like two things. I remember starting as a PT thinking, oh, sweet, I'm good. I'm going to train everyone this specific specific way because this is what people want. And to now going, that was rubbish. Like yeah. that's completely wrong. But looking back and going, I've learned so much from individuals rather than anything from my courses. Yeah, I've learned so much more doing personal training than I have when I was doing all that sort of course mm. at uni. Yeah. Now, um, I, I get like, you're obviously running your own business. Yes. Were you running your own business from the get-go? No, no, I wasn't. So no, did- I wasn't. I was working for Anytime Fitness mm-hmm. to start with. Yep. And I was employed by them as a customer consultant slash personal trainer. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty much one of their employees yep. as a personal trainer. Yep. And then once the contract there ended, well, the management changed and they didn't want to renew the contract with me and the other guy mm-hmm. that was also there. So that's when I broke off and did my own, my own business. Mm-hmm. And then... Went to Snap Fitness for a year, mm-hmm. trying to build build my business there. And once the once my contract ended there, I decided not to renew that one. Yep. Because well, I felt personally I was I wasn't getting what I wanted out of it. Yep. And found myself with you. 
Yeah. Okay. Let's have a look. What did you want to get out of it? What weren't you getting? So I wasn't getting, I wasn't getting much promotion. Okay. So they were, they were very, they were like, oh yeah, we'll promote you. We'll do this. We'll do that. They weren't, they wouldn't really put, put it forward and, or, I hate bad mouthing people, but by the end of it, they're pretty much just using me as a free staff member. Yep. Like manager would always come in late or finish that little bit early just because they knew I was at the gym mm-hmm. and all that. So I was like, you know what? I don't need to be paying you so I could might hang around and do your job. Exactly. <laughs> like it, it's almost essentially like renting a house versus paying a mortgage. Yes. You're paying rent to pay off someone else's mortgage or you're paying directly paying off your, your own mortgage. That's how you think about it. So with you running your business, yes, you're still paying rent somewhere, but it is AJK Fitness. You can do whatever you want with it. Any promotion will be directly for you, by you. Yeah. Now, I, I think I might know the answer to this, but what, are, what have you found to be the biggest struggles from transitioning from a commercial gym to a private gym? Well, when it comes to the physical attributes of being a trainer, so like the way the way I train my clients, that part there has actually been a lot easier because mm. I do prefer doing the more open sort of planned yep. sessions with the free weights a bit more mm. than the machines. But all the behind the scenes sort of stuff, that's where I've been struggling a bit with with clients, especially because my contract with Snap was very strict mm. on what who I could take across with me or mm. how I was to take across the client the client yeah. base I had. Yeah. So that there's been the struggle. I had I have had a, I've had quite a well, I've had a couple follow me. Yep. Which has been good. But I just need to somehow get the ball rolling a bit better than what I have. Yeah. And so. like in the big scheme of things, if we look at time you've been outside on your own like if you if we were to stop this second 31st of march time you've been out on your own and we go back and self-assess or you we you self-assess everything that you've done to get you here if you can honestly say look i'm doing everything i can they'll come and that's it like i've said that to you before like yeah. if you're putting that work in and there's that mindset of fuck where are the clients where is everyone you almost need to flip it and go awesome look at the ones i've got i'm going to give them every single thing that i can and you know and make that the number one priority and then focus on yeah. building then focus on building randoms yeah. from there um yeah well something that's made it a bit easier is my group classes especially mm. my weekend ones yep. my weekend ones do do quite well like with my boot camp on a saturday morning i have had a few pull out just due to medical reasons mm. but I was getting my well, average of about 10, 10 people in the session, which which was a lot more than what I thought originally. My strength ones on a Sunday, which I started doing, were, are a bit more popular as well. Yeah, cool. Which is averaging probably about five or six, which yep. when I first put it forward put it forward to you a few weeks ago, I was like, oh, if I can get two people, yeah, I'd be stoked. But the first session I had, I had what, five of them or something. Mm. So... Group group session wise, it's it's been a real big, mm. real big plus. Like that strength side of things too. Like five or six, that's not humongous numbers, but doing strength, trying to control 
all aspects and watch everything, especially with strength moves. Yeah. You don't want to overload yourself because it's like, okay, cool. Someone's just assholed themselves. Yeah. Doing squats and you didn't see what happened, you know? So it is that fine line of, yes, I'd love 15 people here. But it's like, how can you control 15? Oh, with, with, the, with the strength ones, I'd probably cap it at about 10. Yeah. Wouldn't go any, any, more, any more than 10 for the strength ones just because the more weight you add, the more risk of injury there is. Mm. So I don't, I don't want to have to look at 10 different people doing 10 different exercises mm. and trying to critique every single one of them. It, at once oh no you like i don't say you're setting yourself up for failure but for the the value that the client gets from the move from the session it starts to de- decrease with the amount of time that you can actually dedicate to what they're doing yeah and i know like we're talking about building clients and all that kind of stuff that's struggles that everyone i deal with sam deals with other trainers like yeah i've, I've spoken to other trainers and i'm like yeah the it's always a, the tough part getting the client base going. That's life. But like, then once you got the client base going, it seems to like all roll from there. And mm. don't, don't want to say it gets easier, but relieves Take, takes the, the pressure. pressure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, relieves the pressure a bit. And I, I, I said something. Um, I can't remember if I said it to you when you first started. I, I definitely remember saying it to Sam and other trainers that I've spoken to across the journey who've asked me for advice. Really. And I'm not like a pro by any stretch, but something I try and tell myself is don't high five yourself when things are going great and don't kick the dirt when things are going against you because it could change in a week. Next week, you could get an email message, phone call, whatever from someone saying, I want to do four sessions a week. Flip side, you could have someone doing three sessions or two people doing three sessions a week go, hey, I need to stop for a bit. Yeah. So it's like one phone call could dramatically change change everything exactly so it's that staying hungry but not high-fiving when things are good and not kicking the dirt yeah not, not becoming complacent with things yeah for sure and because that, that's where you'll be undone and i've seen it many times before um all right let's jump into swimming okay okay tell me about your swimming so i started well, i was i started swimming back when i was what like five months old doing mm-hmm. mums and bubs yep. in the in the little little heated pool mm-hmm. and then from there i started swimming competitively from about the age of 10 yep made my first state team when i was well not state team but first first state championships when i was 11 made my first national title at 12 yep I was one of the one of the younger one of the younger ones in the age yeah because cool. usually there are 13 year olds is it okay so when you say that is it under 13s yes okay cool it's under as it's an under 13 thing yeah and majority of the time there's probably only like three or maybe four 12 year olds that make it mm-hmm. and there is there's that odd 11 year old or something but yep. majority of them would be 13 and won my first state medal when i was 14 mm-hmm. and funnily enough same year made my first national final yeah which cool. was stoked about and then from there it just got better and better and better yeah cool so all up there was one there was one year i qualified for nationals for six events made six finals won three medals or something yeah wow one year how old were you then 16 yeah cool how is as a 16 year old how are you managing that like 
pressure expectation both internally and externally and when swimming is a hundredths of a second kind of sport where you're looking for perfection essentially do you feel that pressure or were you feeling that pressure sorry at 16 or is it just like hey cool swimming it it was just came naturally to me at that point yep i was i was still growing i was still growing at the time and i was just doing it for the love of it Mm -hmm. and Loved the rush I got, especially in a close race. Like yep. me and one of my best mates, we'd always go head to head and he'd always beat me by 0.01 of a second oh, or yeah. the other way around, I beat him by that. And yep. We actually did a dash for cash once. He got me by 0.01 of a second. And so what, what was the monetary value attached to it? Uh, first prize was one, 150 bucks. Yep. So it wasn't... wasn't well, at the time, it was a lot of money. Yeah. You get, For us, it was a lot of money. I was like, yes. Yeah, mate. If you offered me $150 right now, I'd go, yeah, sick. Thanks. You know? <laughs> like, it's still 150 bucks. Yeah. And yeah, I just loved it. Yep. Really, really loved it. Loved the adrenaline. I loved... I just loved racing. Yeah. Did it take you around the country or was it... Yes. Yeah. I've, so, I've raced in Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne... Up here in Queensland, I've raced in Cairns, raced in raced in Brisbane here, mm. Sydney, Hobart. I've even done a bit of racing in New Zealand. Yeah, well. So, um, what was your was sixteen your peak performance age, or did you continue to improve? I continued to improve. Yeah. Uh, my peak my peak performance was probably the year before I stopped. Yep. I reckon because that's. That's the year I just missed the Australian team. Yep. So it was only getting going up and up. Like I, I moved from from Sydney to Brisbane for swimming mm. initially to train under, funnily enough, another guy named Matt Brown. Hey, it's not a common name at all, which is funny. no, not not at yeah. all. Because <laughs> because where I was, yeah, I was good. I was good for where I was, but all the. All the ones that were on the had done that little bit more were training out of a bigger mm. bigger place than I was, and I was like, you know what? I'm, if I want to get to that next level, I'm going to have to branch out a bit. So I started training with uh, Nudgy Brothers. Well, it's called Nudgy Brothers at the time, mm-hmm. just up at uh, St Joseph's Nudgy College. There mm-hmm. I was there for four years, and in those four years. Ended up winning national medals, majority wow. of the time in in relays. Yep, I'll point out. Like we, I think take it, take it to the bank. Yeah, exactly. Still a medal. Like we won, we won the Australian Open four by two hundred relay one year, which was which was good fun. Yeah. And then, yeah, then I moved to a swim club called Commercial, which is out of Fortitude Valley Swimming Pool. Yep, and that was with the Campbell sisters. Okay, cool. And that's where I that's where I feel like I hit my peak. And how old are you at this point? I was let's see, twenty four. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Twenty three, twenty four at the time. And yeah, just missed the Australian team in short course for medaling. Yeah. Wow. So that that year was a good year. That that was a good short course for me because I made well the five races I did. Mm. Ended up doing what, five personal bests, finaling in four out of the five of them. Yeah, cool. And yeah, just missing the Australian team in one of them. Yeah, that's that's wild, man. So, 
then from there I was like yep sweet this is what I want to do I'm at my peak I'll mm. try and make the Australian team took a year off absolutely everything I was only working like what I needed to work to live yep took a year off uni solely concentrated on swimming to try and make the team and that's when the pressure got to me a bit yep. I think I think I put too much pressure on myself yep because when I was when I just missed the Australian team, I was working three different jobs. I was doing uni, so swimming is more of a relaxation hobby sort of thing. Yeah, and that's why there was a lot of success there mm. because I hadn't put all this pressure on myself. I was like, look, I'll go in, enjoy myself, see what happens. Yep. And then once I mentally put that pressure on me, that's what I was kind of the crumble. I, th- I feel okay, but at least I can hold my head up high, going, I gave it my all for sure. Like. And if we, once again, we go back to the fact that we're talking hundreds of seconds and it needs to be perfection every time and you're ripping out personal bests and other people, like people are still finishing ahead of you. Like you take that self-accomplishment away, but it's like, okay, cool. Like that's- I, was, I was always the one that just took it. Took, yeah, obviously it's racing. You care about where you come. Mm. But I was more, I was more the intrinsic sort of, sort of athlete so i could come eighth yeah but if it was my best time i'd done i'd be like fuck yes yeah and that's a very wild mindset if you think about it like athletics or like including swimming or whatever it's a sport where you're racing others but you're racing yourself yeah so you can finish eighth and still beat your personal time and it's a win but when someone goes oh how'd you go and they go oh you go oh i finished eighth and they are Oh, so, that's, that's kind of unfortunate. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, it is in, in that sense, but it was the best I've ever done. Exactly. Like, it was the fastest I've gone. I've never made it past like 10th or something. So, mm. yeah, I remember my first national final. It was a 400 meter individual medley. Mm. And I literally just scraped into the final. Yep. In fact, no, I didn't even scrape into the final. I was reserved. Someone pulled out. Yep. I was just stuck to be in that race. Yeah. Because at the time, I raced a guy, a couple of guys. One of them was named Leith Brody, who was of the likes of Michael Phelps at the time. Mm. And another named Stephen Parks, who was also on the Australian team and stuff. I got to race them. Yeah. I was just over the moon. I was in that race. Mm. I didn't care that I came last in that race. Your name could be mentioned in the same breath. You know exactly. What I mean? Yeah. Okay. So, well, how'd you go in that race? Well, I came eighth. <laughs> we'll take it exactly but how did you perform best time well it wasn't it wasn't the it was second best time I'd ever swum yep considering the best time I swam was that morning in the heats yeah well okay there you so go. it was still faster than my entry time yeah considering I did like a five second PB to even get into that mm. into that spot but what my coach and I took out of it the way I swam it was the best I'd ever swum it like yeah it wasn't wasn't the best the best swim time-wise, but it was the best structurally swum race I'd ever done. Mm. And then from there, that's when I started really concentrating on the skill aspect of swimming. So if you if you just watch swimmers swim, they'll yeah, they'll just swim. Mm. But if you look at the likes of, for example, the best, the, my opinion, best swimmer ever ever go through Michael Phelps. He was really concentrating on the skill side of things, the under the underwater sections and the turn section at the start. That's what I started focusing on, and that's what really got me to where I got to. Mm. 
like we actually measured it once in 200 meter race i would swim 110 meters of it underwater yeah well that's ridiculous so <laughs> yeah but like for me like, that's short course not <laughs> if i'm having a swim and i'm just having a crack like there's no rhyme or reason like i'm just having a crack I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna do this many meters today sick i don't think about any of that shit but you'd get in the pool and you'd get to the end of that same distance be like yeah okay cool because you're doing all like the smart stuff. Yeah. Not just... Trying to make it easy for myself exactly. as Exactly, <laughs> yeah. That's where that's my struggle. Um, silly question. Was Olympics on the radar? Yes. Yep. In what year? Uh, so I was really trying in the... For the 2016 mm-hmm. Rio. Rio. That's pretty, that's, that's pretty wild, man. Yeah. You were trying for the Olympics. Like... You say that out like loud. I had, I had the, I had the, always had the thought from when I was, even when I was like 11, 12 years old, I was like, I want to go to the Olympics. Mm. It's something I really wanted to do to compete at the Olympics and all that. And unfortunately it didn't work out. But, but how many people walking the streets can say their training was leading them towards representing their country in the Olympics? Yeah, exactly. Like that's, that's crazy. And that's one of those, oh, yeah, you're not, you're not in the top eight swimmers in that category. You're not even in the heats. You're not even in the team. You're not even going to the Olympics. But the fact that that was... Like that was the ultimate p- goal. That's what you were training for. The pinnacle of the sport was what you were training for. Yeah. Like, you weren't playing Div 2 fucking park footy. You know what I mean? Like, that, yeah. that's pretty wild. Um, I want to kind of have a look at your mentality slash nutrition slash training for swimming. Because we kind of touched on that, that it's, yeah, it's a job. This, yeah. What time did your day start? Uh, 4.30 in the morning. In the pool at 4.30 or wake up at 4.30? Wake up at 4.30 in the pool by 5. Yeah. What's... Okay, just top of your head, what was the swim session like? First so thing. it was first thing... Sorry, I'll pick off the day. Well, I'll just say Monday because that's the easiest. Mm. Monday morning session would usually be an endurance-based session. So there'd be a lot of caves being swum. So we go six to ten kilometers in a session mm-hmm. which would take roughly around two two and a half hours so just to, then, for the, the nufties listening like your pool's 50 meters but even saying that's like oh yeah it's two hours ish in the pool imagine doing swimming for two hours like just up and down a black line mate, <laughs> i'd go no that's enough like for, purely from mind numbingness i'd be like that's enough yeah um sorry so me- mentally Honestly, mentally, I probably just doze off half the time. Yeah. Like, think about other stuff or think about nothing at all. So, I think sometimes I even fell asleep. Yeah, wow. <laughs> like, you're almost... Like, I'll be, be, be swimming along and all of a sudden, I'll be finished the 800 meter swim. I'll be like, oh, wait, didn't I just start off? What what number lap am I on? Or... Oh, man, your autopilot, like, muscle mechanics must have been phenomenal. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> it's just so, just repetitive motion all the time. And then I did a overthink about what i need to do in the day that i'd lose count or mm. lose track of where i was or just completely zone out yep so um okay so that, that's the first that's, that's the, the that's, that's the first that would be the first thing on a monday morning and then up back home have a good feed a lot of protein a lot of carbs and then they would get started with study yep do do my uni uh, throughout the day, I'd probably snack, mm-hmm. snack quite a bit when mm. it comes to the nutrition side of things. And then once uni finished, would be back at the pool for a four o'clock in the afternoon session, which would then be more of a power sprint based sort of session. 
which looking back on it, I do actually kind of miss. Yeah. A lot of people are like, oh yeah, training's the thing I don't miss. I do kind of miss it just because I, I can't even explain why I miss it, to be honest. You're, you're almost practicing but, perfection. Yeah. Like, that's your time to go like, I can understand when you get to like a, a big race, it's like, yeah, cool. I was just swimming. But think about the amount of hours you're in the pool perfecting that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Drumming in that muscle memory, drumming in those mechanics, those 1% things. That's why I try, like, you're actually workshopping stuff. That's why like, I would assume your training adds enjoyment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it. Exactly. Right? For sure. Like, you're not getting me up at 4.30 if I didn't enjoy training people. You're not getting up at 4.30 to go for a swim if you didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Um, Nutrition-wise, uh, do you know how many calories you're eating a day? Probably close to... I wasn't... I was never strict, strict on my calories. Mm. But if I had to put a put a number on it, probably around that three to three and a half. Yep. And then on a hardest, on a longer or harder sort of session day, I'd probably be up to around 4,000 calories a day. Yeah. Now, was that hard for you to eat that much? No. Yeah, cool. Not at all. Yeah, sweet. Now, the transition from swimming to not swimming, was it hard to curb that? Nutritionally? Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, it was. Because I would find myself still snacking throughout the day. Mm-hmm. But then also meal portions would would be the same mm. and because i wasn't exerting as much from because i wasn't swimming mm. i'd start to put on a little bit yeah yeah and like you'd see it all the time like oh yeah you do definitely you've been trained and works in such a way then you stop but your body keeps going gimme 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 because yeah, you're so used to having that much that much food i was like yeah I need to have that food to keep going. Your it's metabolism's like, well, you at such a high really. turnover. Yeah. yeah. Um, the year that you said that's enough, well, why'd you say that's enough? I said that's enough because I was, I was not, I'll say I was another year old, I was 26. Mm. And that was literally my all. I took, I took everything when it came to swimming 110% seriously, mm-hmm. the training, the food, the the rest period and all that, the amount of times I trained for it was phenomenal. Like I was training what? Two, three, four, five. Probably close to eight to nine sessions in the pool plus four to five gym sessions a week. Wow. And then, yeah, so I was literally putting all my time, all my effort in and it still still wasn't enough. So I was like, you know what? That's literally me giving 110%. Mm-hmm. Still didn't make it. That's enough. Need to start concentrating on other aspects of life. Was that a deflating realization or using that same mindset we spoke about before? Was it a, I did the best I could? Well, I did the best I could. Yep. Like, I was, like, I was, I was, I was, I was sad. I was obviously sad about stopping swimming competitively, but... At the same time, it was it was a relief because I was like, "That's literally me giving my all." There's nothing more I can do. Was it a weight off the shoulders, or was it, "Fuck, what do I do now?" It was kind of actually like a weight off the shoulders, really, because yeah. I I think because I had put so much pressure on it mm. leading up that when I started, like, "Oh, I can relax now." Mm. So it's funny. I, I thought of something when you were talking before about finishing in different places and things like that, and I think that's a 
we can apply that to what we do now as personal trainers. Like you would have clients, I have clients that let's take a deadlift and they want to deadlift 55 kilos and their previous best was 50 and they get to 52 and a half and they're disappointed. It's like, well, that's the most you've ever lift. Yeah. You know, like that glass half empty, that uh, glass half empty mindset that people seem to have drummed in. Yeah. Like I think that's the hardest thing to manage. Oh, without a doubt it is. A lot of people, unfortunately tend to look at the negative instead mm. of the positive to it. Like, as, as you just said, previous best could have been 50. They lifted 52. It wasn't what they wanted to lift. Mm. So they're upset about it. It's like, well, look at the bigger picture. Exactly. You put on a little bit more weight there than what you previously could. Mm. You've gotten stronger. Yes, you can, be ups- you can be disappointed, but look, it is bigger than what you ever lifted before. Take the positive out of it. Now is that it's hard to it's hard to tell people to take the positive out of it. Like, oh, for can't, sure. can't be like, look, you did this, you did this, you did this. Best you've ever done. Be happy. Yeah. You can't like even I'm I myself I'm like, yeah, you, you can be sad you can be sad about it, but just take a breath, look at the bigger picture. Something I said to you before, you gotta stay hungry. Yeah. Whether it's business or swimming or anything. You know, training or whatever. If you're disappointed with something, use it as fuel. Yeah. But keep everything in perspective. Like, where were you at eight weeks ago? Where were you at last time we did this move? Where were you at 12 months ago? Like, that's your measuring stick, not you reaching these goals that you've set for yourself. Oh, I didn't do it today. So have a crack tomorrow. Yeah. That, that's, and that's what I really liked that mindset we were talking about, like finishing eighth or whatever, or as long as you hit your PV, yeah, we're good. Yeah. Um, is training the the thing that you miss from swimming the most? Uh, no, it's the racing I miss the most. Now the adrenaline rush, or yes. yeah, okay. Yeah. What was your race of choice? Your best race? Two hundred meters medley. Okay, cool. Did you have a, obviously what was your strongest stroke? Backstroke. Okay. Um, did you? What other events did you enter in? Because you said before you multiple events. Yeah. Kind of so thing. when it came to my usual events, I would do. 50 meters to 200 meters freestyle and backstroke mm-hmm. and then 100 200 sometimes 400 meters medley mm-hmm. and then every now and then i chuck in one of the breaststrokes or a butterfly yeah but i was never never a good butterfly yeah right <laughs> now never. do you train do you train specific like all right yes. i'm gonna be i'm gonna be all my efforts gonna go into freestyle or all my efforts going to go into butterfly, or do you? Just, are you just having a crack and it's like I'm feeling pretty good about breaststroke? Like let's have a look at. So being being a medley swimmer, I had to really concentrate on all on all strokes. However, when it came to specific strokes, I was a backstroker. Yep. And I would train majority of my time doing backstroke. Yep. So for all our race specific. All of our race-specific ones, if I couldn't train medley because of this, the way that the session was structured, I would choose backstroke. Gotcha. Like, for example, one of the sessions we did was a lactate threshold session. Well, it was just six laps, as fast as you could go. I was going to say, I don't even know what that is, but lactate threshold, I think I get an idea of what's going to happen here. Yeah, six laps, as fast as you could go, five minutes between each one. You weren't allowed to do anything between each one. Yep. Let the lactate settle, then go again. I'd do backstroke for that one and I would die. Yep. Yep. 
<laughs> yeah. Start, start off going 26 seconds. By the last one, I would be lucky to crack 50 seconds. Yeah. Just because I was physically burning from the feeling physically heavy through the lactate. Oh, that, I'm, okay. The sadistic part of me is like, that sounds awesome. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see how that would be very disgusting. But that's the thing. I loved it. Yeah. Wouldn't have it any other way. That's the, and like, that's that little sadistic part you got to have. Um, as we start to wind down, the uh, last couple of things I want to throw at you are relating to AJK Fitness. What's one thing you try and give each of your clients every session? Or is there a certain thing that you try and give a client every session? Well, exercise-wise, there's not really something I would specifically give to every single client. Mm -hmm. But I would always try and make them hurt. <laughs> but there it is, that little sadistic bit. Yeah. Like, but that's that's the that's the good thing. Like, even even though I have made them hurt, we do it with love. I'll, yeah, do it with love. But I will always get a get a message back or something saying, "Hey, thanks for thanks for pushing me. Thanks for thanks for making me hurt." I I was I was a bit uh, uh, skeptical about it. Mm. Can't speak again. Yeah. <laughs> and but at the time, yeah, they hate it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they're like, actually, I feel a lot better. You get to the end of the, that. end of the half hour, end of 45 and go, you got through that. Yeah. And you didn't think you could. It's good accomplishment for yeah. them. Um, working from a private studio amplifies the relationships and the support that you give to your clients. Do you feel like that's one of your stronger attributes or do you feel like that's some, an area that you're still learning and continue to improve upon? Well, I feel like it is one of my strong ones, but in saying that, there's always room for improvement. Like, Good answer. Yeah. I always, I always feel like sometimes I can be a bit more sympathetic. Mm -hmm. We'll say because I do, I do like trying to push them, but at the same time, I'm always, I'm always. There. If I can see a client is struggling mentally or something, I'm always like, oh, "What's up?" I'm always, I'm always there to try and help anyway. So, awesome, brother, mate. Guess what? We're done. We're done. We're done. We are finished. It has been a pleasure. You were the first podcast off the ranks in 2021. Hey. Um, it's actually been nice to pick your brain a little bit and get to know a little bit more. Uh, we'll put all your socials up in the description. Andy, it's been fun. Yeah, thanks for having me, mate. Not a problem. And there we the first episode for 2021 is in the books. Um, very interesting to hear. The training and preparation and the, I guess, the goal setting around being a very, very top tier athlete and training for the Olympics. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed that episode. Check out AJK Fitness on the old Instagram. We'll throw his handle in the description. If you like what we do here on the Back Yourself podcast, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Subscribe to the website, backyourselffitness.com.au, so you get to keep up to date with everything that we do, Back Yourself Fitness, our latest blogs, our latest events, etc., etc. More than ever in these uh, trying times, guys, just bloody back yourself. See you in the next episode. <laughs>